Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. We'll run to the future. Shining like diamonds in a rocky world. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin. I'm Deputy Managing Editor at LookoutLanding.com. Uh, and I am joined today by two co-hosts. We have Matthew Robertson. Matthew, how goes it? It goes. We are so close to baseball, so yeah, close buddy. to actually getting real pitchers, pitching to real hitters. So it's hard to not kind of get excited about that. feels this like is spring is coming. Podcast, last podcast we'll be doing before uh, Before there are actual games! Yes, ah! Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, who is that person? Kate Prusa, managing editor. Kate, I'm how sorry. ready are you for real games? I'm sorry. Or real excited. fake games. Real fake I put games. recap on the schedule for the first time this oh. week, and like that is always a moment of joy for me. I mean, it's definitely fun to like start getting officially official, like the master schedule that I keep that has like you know who we're playing and the colors mm. of the teams go at the top, and like updating it every week and. Uh, that's always fun to get going, but that just writing in that first spring training game and knowing that there's going to be a recap and, oh, I get to start harassing everyone about <laughs> signing up for recaps, <laughs> which is a really joyous part of my life that I can't wait to get back to. It is good. Uh, well, so we're we're reaching the end of our sort of preview series here that, that we've gone through. We, we talked about the infielders and the outfielders. 
Um, and, and we're gonna we're gonna get into some pitching today. But before we touch on that, uh, there's a couple things that I just wanted to go through with you guys. Uh, the first thing is uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, which I definitely knew, and definitely I'm not just completely disoriented. You nailed it. Right that is what uh, day it is. Excellent. Um, go, John. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Manny Machado signed with the Padres today after an eternal uh, seeming offseason of no one signing places, people not signing for anything interesting, people getting upset about no one signing for anything interesting. Um, what uh, I guess, did you guys have somewhere you were rooting for Machado? And do you have somewhere that you're still rooting for Bryce Harper to go? Assuming they're not going to be Mariners, which I think would be very cool and good, but... <laughs> pretty pretty implausible at this point i was definitely hoping for machado to just go to the national league i mean both of them i guess i would like to not see that often because they're very good hitters and they would probably terrorize the mariners as a lot of hitters do both of them to go to the phillies and the phillies to just spend a million dollars that would be See, I mean, I'm, like, not a million dollars, more like a billion dollars, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, now that I, mean, I am actually talking about it. But yeah, but they promised they were going to be stupid with their money, and then mm-hmm. today they were like, um, yeah. I mean, this it, is it, kind of being stupid with their money. It, it, it is. It's a different kind of stupid with their money, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, but yeah, when it, I, if I were a Phillies fan and I saw, oh, there's just, there's a point that you get to where it's past, what was the exact quote? It was beyond our valuation. Beyond our yeah, I mean that's just that. Um, I would be so pissed if I and I the poor our poor friend Justin mm-hmm. over at uh, the Good Fight, which is the very good SB Nation Philly site, was yeah. just <laughs> he retweeted that quote like ten different times. I think yeah. just analyzing a different <laughs> part of it that was bringing him mm-hmm. pain each time and. Yeah. Um, I'm when, I'm I'm glad I don't have to suffer like that, but his suffering made um, made for some good content at least. Yeah. Well, and it's an interesting thing because like there was a point in baseball, you know, maybe thirty years ago, forty years ago, where teams, at least some teams, were actually in like dire financial straits. Like I I mean I just to plug some other SB Nation content. I was watching uh, a video talking about the Pirates playing against the Braves in the NLCS um, back in 1991, I want to say, 1991, 1992. Uh, you know, and like the Pirates spent essentially much of the post-Willie post-We-Are-Family uh, era nearly winking out of existence because they just didn't have financial backing. Um, and it's just not the case now, and it's good to be smart about what players you're playing and it's good to be you know have good priorities but like it's so frustrating Kate as you said as a fan to see you know your team especially for some a team like the Phillies who are in a highly competitive division have seen every team but one in their division get better this offseason and have made other moves to theoretically make yourself better and uh, just sort of stood pat. I mean, it's sort of like um, like last off season in in a way for the Mariners, where Seattle had a really bad year in 2017. They had they were beset by injuries. They had all these terrible things happen. Everyone was freaking out. We were basically saying, you know, like you have, you know, if you're going to not 
give up, if you're not going to throw in the towel, you have to do something. You have to make some degree of moves. This team isn't going to be enough. And the team just saying, well, we're, we're kind of capped out and we're, we feel like if there's something that happens in season, we can make a little bit of a move, but we're going to roll with this. It's like, that sucks. I mean, it just is so frustrating because it it really limits what you're what you're capable of, and it limits your excitement. I think as a fan, it does for me at least. Yeah, I think it really speaks to like the weird state of free agency when the San Diego Padres are getting the big <laughs> the big prize. Yeah. Like they've been trying to be bad for a while, and like mm-hmm. their whole thing is like. We could be good in a few years, which I get. Like, that's kind of where the Mariners are at, too. But mm-hmm. it's still just wild to consider that, like, after all of the, like, speculation about, oh, will he be a Yankee? Will he be a Philly? Are the Red Sox interested? Do the Dodgers want him? Like, we ran mm-hmm. through all the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. And then San Diego is like, well, I guess if no one else is doing yeah. it, <laughs> like, we'll, we'll do step it. up. But I will say, um, one of my takeaways from living in San Diego for four years was. Like, it could be a perfect baseball town if the team was even halfway decent. Mm-hmm. Like, you have all of the ideal conditions. Like, obviously, the weather is probably the best in the country. They have a mm-hmm. great stadium. It's mm-hmm. just yes. that the fans are tacos. kind of... Good tacos. A lot it's, of tacos. I mean, it seems it's, like, pretty accessible, right? Like, I guess I've never driven there, but, like, it's reasonably walkable once you're downtown, right? Yeah, like, once you're downtown, it's real easy. Parking is kind of Tyson... a struggle. Remember how Tyson Ross rode his bike everywhere when he was a pod? Oh, I wanted Tyson Ross so badly. <laughs> I don't know that I do, but I'm glad to know now for sure. Oh, that he was awesome. like a huge advocate of the bike. And I, I was like, that was that's going to make him perfect for Seattle. We also ride our bikes everywhere. But mm-hmm. believe it or not, that did not compel him to sign with the Mariners. <laughs> I was shocked. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're, 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 sorry, Matthew, keep going. You're good. Oh, I was just going to say, like, kind of circling it all back like this is um an interesting thing for the Padres because like like I said their whole thing is we're going to be good eventually but like mm. they saw an opportunity to get better through free agency and did it but like the mm. only time in recent years and specifically when I lived there when they tried to get better was when they had that like both the Uptons and Matt Kemp <laughs> and Craig Kimbrell yeah. for some reason and it like did not work at all and to me, like, after that disaster, I was like, oh, they're just going to stop trying for a while, which they kind of did. But now this seems like almost the end to that process. And they almost mm-hmm. had, like fell ass backwards into it when no one else would touch Machado and they just went for it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think that's a a very good point. I'm, I'm excited to watch mo- almost all of the NL at this point this year. And, I mean, you know, because they're what, like – Maybe I would say like Arizona probably is going to be bad this year and the Marlins are going to be awful. And like, other than that, like pretty much every team now in, in the NL has like a shot at a playoff spot. Like that's, I'm super mad about how fun the NL is going to be like super mad. I mean, I'm, I'm excited because that means I can follow it as a fan and, like, yeah. not get too invested in the fact mm-hmm. that, like, they're driving my Mariners down in the standings. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just I am I have some big jealousy about, like, the NL East and now kind of the NL West is 
developing yeah. into something, and I'm I'm really mad that there aren't. I mean, any... even the central, like the worst team, is maybe the Pirates, who aren't even that bad. They yeah, the just, Pirates are awful what though. Like they've well, done nothing. They've done literally nothing. They're but big... they've got like a decent team. I just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know if I can name. They've got Chris Archer. The... They've got Starling Marte. Uh, they've got Gregory Polanco. Um, I am running out of steam. I will. Say. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's me with the pirates. Is like I get I get about that far and then I can't. Uh, and they've just they've done nothing. So I'm a big Reds booster, going for the the Reds this year. Team Puig and Vado, unlikeliest buddy cop comedy ever. Um, I'm excited about that. Like, yeah, it's just, it seems like everything is, there's some genuine intrigue all across the NL that does not exist in the AL because it's going to be like the same three teams boat racing everybody else to Yeah, I mean, what teams, what teams have a playoff, have a shot at a playoff spot? Like a, like a reasonable shot at a playoff spot this year? In the AL? The... It's like six teams probably. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, whoever comes out on top in the AL Central, which might be the Twins. I think there's, I think there's no way anyone beats Cleveland, especially because Cleveland didn't trade, uh, didn't trade Kluber. Kluber. Like they need something better in the outfield, but like the Twins still are. Bad. I don't know. Like Give me the... I would, I would put the Twins in the have a shot category, but I don't think they're I think like that, I think fearsome. Yeah, and I yeah. think the Rays could do some stuff, but other than that, it's the it's the three you talked about, and then maybe those two. Like, I don't think the AL West has any people behind Houston who are going to do anything. No, well, I mean, you have Oakland, that, who not, but they still don't have a rotation. Yeah, uh, maybe the Angels, but you're still yeah. looking at a year of no Otani. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think that the the AL West is going to be fairly quickly decided. Mm-hmm. I think the AL Central is maybe the one that is interesting, mm-hmm. and the AL East. I'm a big believer in the Rays. I like that team. I mm-hmm. think that they're fun. Uh, they've got prospects coming out of their ears who are MLB adjacent. Who, mm-hmm. Some of the guys who we only saw little bits of last year, we're going to see a lot more of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that'll make things interesting. I mean, all of them are just going to take turns wailing on the Orioles, right? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's, it, it's a good year to be a fan of an N, of the NL and yeah. not as much fun to be a fan of the AL. Or, Even though the AL should be more fun. Or a good year to be a fan in the AL and, a, but like an enthusiastic fan of baseball because you won't be necessarily as stressed about the, yeah, okay, <laughs> about that's the, fair. Uh, yeah. NL, I guess. This is a great but, year for MLB TV. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm gonna watch. I want to watch all these teams. Like, I want to watch the Padres. I want to watch the Mets. I want to watch yeah. um, the Reds. The I think the Brewers are gonna be really fun. I mean, they were fun last year, but yeah. they added Grandall and Yelich is one of my favorite players to watch. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a very back. fun year in the NL, like we've all said. Like, yeah. this is not. I mean, there's some like, there's revolutionary a lot of fun take. Stuff. Again, it's very NL heavy, but yeah, I think that this year, especially with the Mariners taking a step back, obviously it's challenging when you cover a team so closely, but I think this year I'm really going to dig on into my NL fandom, which has Mm -hmm. been maybe a little less developed than other parts. In a big way. Um, Well, we've made it about 13 and a half minutes without really discussing the Mariners, which is entirely my... uh, 
fault because I did direct us and I wanted to hear you guys talk about this. But uh, now that we've sort of uh, primed ourselves, let's uh, let's take a turn to for the local and uh, Matthew. What are we, what are we talking about today for for our preview? Yeah, listen up, everyone. Today we are talking about pitchers, primarily the starting pitchers, although I'm sure there will be some crossover just because we have some players who are like right on the cusp of being a starter or a reliever. But of the, I think we're at the point where we can kind of guess the starting five. Um, the rotation is kind of coming together. And the way I see it, at least on the major league level, it's an interesting mix of like, this could be fun. This could be catastrophic, and this is nothing. I have no feelings about this. And in that latter category, I'm referring mostly <laughs> to Mike Leake and Wade LeBlanc, who are just like oh. human oatmeal. They're Not like Wade. That, come Wade, on. Wade's pitching style is about as boring as you can get. No, no, it's just quiet. It's uh, no Wade is. You, you're coming right, well, after we, Kate's hit tool. I know, which it's, is it's, pitchers who, ex- who lean into allowing hitters to showcase their hit tool. No, <laughs> that's a good point. That is a good point. No, I like uh, command, control, pinpoint. No, I mean Wade's great. Accuracy, love it, love. I love it, and I mean you can't not love white <laughs> Wade the White being the only <laughs> white dude on our basketball team that consists of J.P. Crawford, Malik Smith, D. Gordon. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, shed Long. Shed, shed Tim. No, I said Tim. Yeah. yeah and then Tim there's Long. like Wade just out there shooting hoops with all of them. Like they're, um, here's where you should jump in with the name of like <clears throat> one of those big white guys from basketball. Who am I thinking of? The, like a Joe Ingles type is what I, this, yes. that's the vibe okay. I was getting. Absolutely a Joe Ingles type. Is yes. Joe Ingles lefty? He must be. Yeah, lefty. he is. Yeah. Perfect, go. perfect. See the little, totally... little bit too much of a slasher for Wade, perhaps, but <laughs> close enough. Yeah, Wade is more like standing on the edges, drilling the threes, but, uh, but uh, still, that was that was an awfully. I I just I can't I can't with this Wade LeBlanc slander. I'm sorry, it wasn't I slander. Yeah, I cannot slander. handle this little slander. slander. No, just... saying you have no feeling, saying he's oatmeal is less slander, and I will not. Oatmeal's stand great. For oatmeal's it. love oatmeal. Yeah. Okay, no, no. Oat, this is... oat meal. Stop gaslighting me. The you were meal trying... is oat. No, stop it. You were trying to convince me that this is a compliment, and we kn- we all know it's not. Okay. Let's move on. Listen, what I meant to say was he doesn't have like as much intrigue. Maybe like I already know what Wade LeBlanc is, whereas with some of the other pitchers, I'm intrigued to see what they do this year. I okay, don't think Wade LeBlanc is going to come out throwing 95 all of a sudden. No. I actually know for a fact that will not happen. <laughs> but I but, just, I want to make sure that we're paying, you know, I, I don't think there was a finer moment in 2018 than Wade LeBlanc humiliating the Red Sox on national television. And I just, I don't think he's going to climb to those heights again, but that that really cemented Wade in my heart. No, absolutely. And I wrote his 40 in 40. Like, I I love Wade LeBlanc as well. I just, I don't have necessarily the same amount of gusto that you do. Um, the two people that I'm most intrigued are, and it's kind of obvious, but of the, like, guys who are going to make the big league rotation out of camp, it's Marco and Kikuchi, to me, are by far the most intriguing. And the ones that will be, like, sort of priority viewing for me, like, mm. the ones that I would consider 
paying to watch in person, especially Kikuchi. I'm just, I love the idea of like being in the stadium when he has, you know, all of his support. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Japanese oh media God, and Japanese fans. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, Sheffield eventually, whenever that happens, he will be fun to watch and fun to monitor. But right now, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like we're looking at Marco, Kikuchi, Felix, Leek, and Wade LeBlanc as our starting five to begin the year. And maybe right. some Rowena Elias. With Rowena basically a, a basically the fifth starter for or a sixth starter, I guess. Like after I'm Kikuchi doing goes some and like piggybacking dirty. on Kikuchi's yeah. short days. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like it's very um front loaded, I would say, in terms of guys who I think will be, you know, average or to above average like the bottom mm-hmm. three like, as much as it pains me to say it like this includes felix but they were like not great wade was good but like felix and leak you know could stand to improve whereas i think with marco like if he improves he becomes even like he becomes a 1a as opposed to like the 1b that a lot of people thought he might have been so mm-hmm. that's something i mean i want to start with marco personally like what specifically are you going to be looking for in him this season is it like a certain pitch that you're going to be monitoring or is it like workload? Like what will bring you to uh, the Marco Gonzalez appointments this year? I think a big thing with Marco is that you're, you're not going to see more velocity from a guy who's 27 or 28. Um, but last year was essentially his first fully healthy year back after Tommy John, you know, he'd been, he'd returned the year the Mariners acquired him. Hey, back in Marco just turned 27. Let's not, uh, let's not age him up. Fair, 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 fair. Just turned, as in like, what is today, the 19th? 19th. Three days, three days okay. ago. Okay, so his just turned 27. two days after mine, so. Fair enough. Um, that Aquarian love! <laughs> um, but essentially two of the pitches that he was throwing most of last year were pitches he either had never thrown or had just started throwing again. Uh, he had thrown a curveball prior to his injury and only got back to it after uh, really starting to feel comfortable with it in 2018. And his cutter was an entirely new uh, addition that he put in after working with the Mariners and working out during the offseason and whatnot. And both of those combined to make him unbelievably balanced in terms of you know he was essentially throwing four uh or five of his pitches essentially 20 to 25 percent of the time i mean it was just the type of thing that very few pitchers do and that's not necessarily uh it's just not necessarily something that either some pitchers need because some pitchers have two dominant pitches or three dominant pitches and they you know are you know, we'll use the main ones that they know, but for a guy like Marco who has five or four above average pitches, it's really neat to see him him work on that. So I think the thing that you'll want to see is can he refine the curveball? Can he refine the cutter even more? Because he's not gonna add velocity, but he can add consistency and, and I think that's a very likely thing that you'll see improve, even if it's uh just because he's been throwing it for another year. Yeah, I I thought he had had the cutter before and he wasn't able to throw it after Tommy John 
I wasn't really able to throw it until 2018. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I have no idea. But <laughs> I just remember, I mean, I guess I remember the spring training video from last year where he's throwing to Zanino and, like, you can hear Mike, I think he's talking to Jerry Depoto about how they're both kind of blown away by the cutter, which sort of yeah. implied to me that they... No dot, if they no had dot. Se- Yeah, which implied to me, like, if they had seen it, they hadn't seen it sort of in its fully actualized version. So maybe it was, like, s- slightly improved, if not brand new. I have no idea, though. I uh, wasn't he- watching his... Gonzaga starts. <laughs> he he may have had it at some point before. It was the first time he'd thrown a cutter in the majors. Uh, was last year, so he may have been throwing it in the minors. I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, I I know that just based on pitch recognition, he had not been throwing cutters in either of the past three years. Um, something that I want to throw in about Marco is yeah. I mean, I think now we kind of know who he is. We know what his healthy looking arsenal is i think the mariners deserve a lot of credit for identifying him going after him feeling comfortable about swapping tyler o'neill who obviously you know the mariners don't need outfielders as badly as they need starting pitching (laughs) um even though that trade got a lot of kind of heat at the time i think that that's been that's been one that's worked out well and i think you have to chalk that up we were we were nervous We, we we were nervous we were nervous about about trading Dingers O'Neill, um, and I know some people still miss him. In which case, I will tell you: go watch Joey Carletta because he hits a ball very similarly. Um, or go watch his thirty-eight percent strikeout rate. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, sure. Be be negative if you want to. Uh, Tyler has not run the smallest strikeout rate either. Let's just put it that way. Um, I think anyway. Tyler will be just fine. The thing about Marco is um, last year, I think what we saw was a lot of him wearing down. Like, uh, I think what we saw was a lot of him not knowing how to pitch a full game or not knowing how to go seven in. Because he'd get to like five, he'd get to that third time through the order and kind of hit a wall. Um, And I think that part of that was just conditioning because he hadn't been throwing full games. This was the heaviest workload he's ever had in the majors. Um, and some of it was just like, he has to learn new strategies for being up there that long. It was something he'd never done before. So I'm excited to see what another year of full health, big league conditioning. Um, and just Marco's a smart player and he's very self-reflective and I'm excited to see what he does with a year of having learned about himself as a, as a, as a major leaguer. Yeah, the workload thing is what I was going to say, too. Um, I was looking at his game log from last year, and there's a stretch of 13 starts from, like, late May to August where he went at least six innings in each of them, and that also includes his complete game against the Royals, and then you can see him kind of fade a little bit. But I think, you know, if we're building towards the future and looking at, you know, the 2021 team that everyone keeps dreaming about. Like, if Marco's going to be the number one or number two guy, I want to feel comfortable putting, like, 200 innings on his arm or at least, like, 185. So I think this will be the year where he has to sort of test his limits and figure out how to go a little longer and whether that means, you know, pitching to contact or, you know, kind of taking some off a pitch every now and again. That's what I'm going to be really fascinated by when I watch him pitch this season. I mean, also, uh, Marcos shouldn't 
be a number one or number two. Like it's That's really true. just because our our system is so poor that he is a, a number one or number two. Our starting pitching is so weak. Um, Marco really slots in what well. Marco would be a great number three. Like if you could get a couple of guys ahead of him, that would be dynamite. So I'm hoping you know by this by this magical contention window that they have either traded for, acquired some other guys, um, brought someone up from the minor, something. There's somebody else who is pushing Marco back to where, you know, maybe they, they have a long reliever who they could bring in so he doesn't have to go so far. He doesn't have to carry that innings load. Um, yeah, which could actually um, streamline into talking about Kikuchi. Yeah, you you took my thunder. That's exactly what I was gonna <sighs> I'm say. Sorry, I am a thunder taker. <laughs> no, we're getting we're the getting thund- good at these transitions. <laughs> the thunder taker. <laughs> That's my wrestling name. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, my thoughts on Kikuchi is that like, just from an entertainment standpoint, he really came at the perfect time because. I don't think any of us are expecting a lot from the team in terms of wins and losses. So having a fun new pitcher to analyze every fifth day will be great just as a like as a television thing, you know, and prevent us from having to see a lot of Rowena Elias or like Tommy Malone or whatever young guy would get rushed up from the minors too quickly. So, I mean, I guess there's a possibility that he becomes this the guy that pushes back Marco, you know, either if Kikuchi becomes, you know, a true ace or just a number two, that would be very ideal and you know kind of ease the the processes of a lot of these young guys where the organization won't have to rush them so I again do not know a lot about Kikuchi like I haven't seen him pitch a game or anything like that I've just seen these little clips Um, but if you have any more knowledge I would love to know and I guess I would pose it in the question of like what is his ceiling like what would be the absolute best version of Yusei Kikuchi in the majors so the the best pitch that Kikuchi has is, as from what I've read, I mean I've I've watched film of him. I haven't seen you know him day day to day, obviously. But um, from what scouts say, it it's the slider. The slider is the best pitch that he brings. Uh, you know, it's a actual swiping, just swing and miss pitch. Uh, and in his best season, which was 2017, he used that really well, and he used his four-seam fastball really well. Uh, and those two pitches by themselves are both MLB-quality pitches. You know, he throws low to mid-90s. Uh, he'll get up to... Depoto said they had him clocked as high as 98, uh, which uh, some people... I, I've, I've seen... No, thank you. No, thank you. Doesn't need to. Doesn't need to be. Doesn't need to do it. Doesn't need Does, to be up yeah. there. No but, shoulder pain, please. <laughs> but um, he's, you know, he's typically going to be sort of in that ninety-one to ninety-five range, and he also, I mean, it is common. Uh, it's more common in Japan and for players trained and raised in Japan to kind of have a very kitchen sink approach with pitches. Uh, so he's got a curveball, he's got a changeup, he's got he he worked himself on a two seam. Um, I want to say, although I'm not sure, but I believe he's worked on a cutter as well. Uh, but you're going to see fastball and you're going to see slider. Those are going to be the the main combo pitches that that are going to get outs. Um, 
it's sort of unknown. One of the things that I'm excited to see is really what he leans on in the majors. Uh, and, and I think especially since the Mariners have gone out of their way to get guys like Mike Leake and obviously Marco and, and the way that they've trained players, I think that they will lean a little bit into that mentality of, sure, throw all five pitches, throw, throw, throw all these things. As long as you can execute these things, you know, we're going to find the way for you to utilize this all best. But uh, I, I think you will get a wide variety of different looks from him. Well, and there's no reason not to, right? Like, this is basically the Mariners, like, gap year where they find themselves, yes, you know, exactly. like a college kid. <laughs> exactly. That's a great way to describe is, it. And this is the gap year. It so, like, why not let him throw eight pitches and see which ones actually work in the big leagues? Like, if he precisely. takes some lumps every now and again, like, who really cares, you know? Yeah. As long as you explain to him that we're not mad at you if you yeah. mess up on your seventh pitch, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, part of the fun thing about that uh, is that that, approach and that mentality really appears to be in what helped draw uh draw his interest to the Mariners specifically I, I think he had I want to say higher guaranteed offers from a couple places and he had longer years uh offers from a few places but what he wanted was a specifically cultivated approach and the Mariners were very forthright in saying we think that you need at least a year to sort of adapt yourself and but that if you have a year to adapt your way of pitching because i think we've said this before but in japan they play uh five games a week and so you have one start a week and in the u.s obviously you just play a little bit more often you have a slightly larger baseball you have a few different you know various things there's the way that people train is often different so there's all these things that can throw off your routine and so having that gap year to adjust your mindset adjust yourself physically uh that's what drew kikuchi to ultimately sign with the mariners and and so i think we're gonna see a lot of strange stuff i, I think the one day you know the one inning slash 30 pitch starts are gonna be kind of funky because we're gonna get some real weird uh work but i think that'll be fun in in itself as well because i think we'll get to see more pitchers uh who are interesting coming up from Tacoma to fill that in as opposed to last year where it was the Casey Lawrence show every time uh and yeah so we're not going to see any Casey Lawrence this year I guess is what, what I really no, want to get Japan around Japan gets to see Casey Lawrence best exchange <laughs> best program ever. ever oh my god <laughs> oh man yeah um I gotta be honest like there was a point this year where I saw them shedding people like James Paxton and Mike Zanino and, um, you know, going cheap, getting rid of Pasos and Nicasio in Segura. Like, that was the trade that, like, really broke me. It was like, oh, they're just being incredibly cheap. And it's really hard, especially considering some of the other things that have happened um, it's really hard to feel invested in this team. I was like, I don't think I'm going to spend a single dollar on the 2019 Mariners. And then they went out and got Kikuchi. And I was like, okay, well, this shows, I think, a, an investment in the club that is heartening to know that, okay, they they offloaded this salary, but it was going 
towards something. Like, they know where their weakness is. They know that there's not a lot of starting pitching in the minors. They know that they can use their money dollars to buy things to make their teams better, which puts them ahead of, like, I don't know, 25 other teams right now. Um, so I, the Kikuchi move really got me almost basically all the way back in on the 2019 Mariners. So it was, it was important, I think, not just because he's an exciting player to watch, but it's an important signal, I think, about what the vision for this club is going for going forward. Yeah. So, yeah, he's going to be appointment watching. I know that uh, Jake Mailhot, if you want to read more in-depth stuff, read anything Jake has written on Kikuchi. He's been a huge champion of him all the way along, um, and it is going to provide, I think... It's going to be so great for Jake. Jake is an artist who has been writing about pitching, who's been limited by some tools, or lack thereof. <laughs> the t- uh, he's, the, he's had the to paint 25-man very... roster tools yeah, have not been he, there for he, He's had to paint with a very oatmeal-colored can- set of paints. See, we're leaning into the metaphor. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's just super jazzed to be looking into Kikuchi and writing about Kikuchi this year, so... I'm I'm on board with it. I th- I think it's going to be fun, and you know the Japanese media is always such a show, so it's it's kind of fun to like see a million media members at spring training again, and you know especially with Ichiro and everything, it's 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 exciting. Right. Yeah, I mentioned the entertainment thing. Just being able to watch him every fifth day will be huge. But for being honest, it's also a great PR move. Like with the avalanche of getting rid of all the good players on the team last year, like (laughs) showing that actually we do want a good player and are willing to pay for him and like structure this unique deal to get him was very refreshing amid a pretty bad off season, just full stop. Oh yeah. I also wanted to say that um, the fact that they were able to land him after kind of the um, Otani loss of like, that was so Mm -hmm. disappointing that that didn't work out. And, Mm-hmm. So to know that they refined their approach, they pitched directly to a player. And, you know, I don't know if Otani was ever going anywhere other than the Angels to begin with. And if that wasn't, that's my conspiracy theory. It is Kate's conspiracy theory. It is my theory, conspiracy theory. It brings me joy theory. every time she brings it up. I really, I, in my bones, believe that he was never going to be anything other than an Angel. But anyway, um, it... It's exciting to me that they were able to craft something that was appealing to the player that they think is going to give not just Kikuchi more success, but give Japanese players in the league more success overall, like as opposed to just dropping them right into the middle of this, you know, giving them a rank, a ramping up period. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited about that aspect, too. That's it's good player care, I think. And it's mm-hmm. um, it's forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, we have those two, Marco and Kikuchi, sort of as the headliners, the ones who represent sort of hope for the future. And then we have, uh, let's say, the other three who, you know, (laughs) have all shown at different points in their career that they are very good, you know, some more than others, but seem to all sort of generally be past their prime or having to figure out new ways to pitch. Mm. And one of those is... Probably the best Mariner of the 21st century, uh, Felix Hernandez. Mm. And we're in a tough spot as fans. I know it's not about us, really. Like, 
this is about Felix and his life and his livelihood. Mm-hmm. But it was one of the stranger fan experiences of my life last year to see the Mariners be in the playoff race and actively not want Felix to pitch. Like, I thought he was harming the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, yeah. like, that's not a personal attack. It's just like, you know, facts are facts, dude. You were bad last year. So, you know, off seasons are the time where hopefully you can correct this. Felix always has sort of a an interesting relationship with training and um, working out in his body. Um, seems like a lot of off seasons have been more hair focused than maybe pitching focused. Um, so I'm curious what you guys are expecting from Felix this year or maybe what you're looking for. I know it's not really like a, a very deep question, but we're kind of struggling for, for answers here from Felix. So what do you think is like a realistic expectation or what would you like to see from 2019 Felix Hernandez? It's so depressing. It is. Yeah. Take some time to mourn if you need to I kind of drop that on you out of nowhere. You know, I think a lot of people are taking um, their sad feelings about Felix and Felix being squandered over the time that he was here, never building a competitive team around him. Um, and like directing that at the current front office, which I don't think is useful. I, I mean, I understand why it happens, but as you said, like the facts are the facts. Felix has not really done too much to improve. He's not, he, he came to analytics late. Um, it was a fight to get him there. He doesn't really participate much in off-season conditioning you know everything has kind of been like tries like he's taken swipes at it but nothing has kind of really stuck and it's just it's it sucks and it is hard but this is where we are and I I don't know I feel like there's not a good ending to it like I I almost hope that he has a great year out of nowhere and they flip him to a contending team and he gets okay sorry sorry he gets he gets his postseason moment though and then you know it is i I don't think that's going to happen but it's the only way i can envision felix getting to the postseason no yeah i i agree i envision if it ever does happen like a 2012 tim lincecum where he's like the the long man out of the bullpen and like tim lincecum was very good in that role he had obviously succeeded in the postseason as a starter but he was sort of in that washed period where felix is now and i think that that could be a viable option for felix no doubt but I would that would make me even sadder. Like if he got good again and then we got rid of him, like that's just it would make baseball sense, obviously. But like from my heart, I would be so crushed. It would be so sad. I I mean, it's but honestly, like is the story going to get more tragic? Like I guess you're right. Best years are already wasted, so there's really like you have to sometimes love the player a little bit more and just want success for him. So. That's true. I mean, I do just want happiness for him. And if that means going to another team, then Felix, by all means, go do that. I I just, I don't see that really happening because even to take the Lincecum route, he'd have to do a lot of things differently than he's doing them now. And I just don't really think that will happen. Yeah. And I think Tim Lincecum was a much more, let's go with a free thinker than Felix is. 
Well, and, and Lincecum also had, I think, at this like at that point, a little more like physically still there. Like he had more peak, maybe physically still there, right? Like Lincecum could still gas it up. He just couldn't gas it up for six innings, right? You know, and like I'm not sure Felix can gas it up for ninety five. Like I'm not sure you could put him to the pen and get more out of him at this point. Like, yeah, I. It, I'm trying to run. I've been trying to th- run through in my head like what the best possible outcome would be because like all of them are pretty grim, right? Like option A, seemingly most likely option. He's not very good. Yeah, again for the fourth straight year, basically like or yeah, third straight, fourth straight year, not very. Yeah, it's good. weird because it was so sharp. Like you had that year where he could have won the Cy Young and then it yeah. really just fell off immediately. Yeah, yeah the decline yeah. has been really sharp. Um and then like he either loses his rotation spot or just continues to pitch badly once every week. Like once every five or six days and There is no reach, good option. There is like, no good scenario. Or like right, like or he bounces back and is like decent or good, and it's frustrating because like if he was decent or good, and the Mariners were decent or good, you know, like it's just like oh, it's twenty eleven again. Great, like Felix is decent, and no one like the rest of the team isn't that good. Like, and I mean, I think this is a much better team than like pretty much 2008 through 2013 but it's still relative to the rest of the league not going to be a playoff team unfortunately it just is frustrating and i don't know i like i want to watch i want to watch felix pitch more i think that trading him would be difficult but i think i mean assuming assuming the scenario that you guys discussed like i think that would be the right move not because like like we all want felix to be a forever mariner but i don't think that i don't think he will want to come back i don't think and at what cost you know if he's a forever mariner with like a six era that doesn't seem good for anyone like yeah like someone will want felix to play for them and will have the time to give him to play and if he doesn't want to do that he doesn't need to like he's done incredibly like he will be remembered as king felix here he will be remembered fondly as like a really great player who just you know fell off which happens and still will be remembered as a really great player he threw a perfect game like he made a ton of money and like he's going to be okay if it doesn't get better but like I just don't see how he's a Mariner next year. And if he's not going to be a Mariner next year, give him a chance to go play for a competitive team if he gets better. And if he doesn't, he'll just be on the roster for the year, and that's okay. I mean, given the state of free agency this year, I don't even know who's going to pick him up next year. I mean, he'll get, like, a minor league invite, but, like... That, is he like, going to take I a minor league? He's the king. Is he going to take a minor league invite? No, yeah, I don't probably see him not, which is why I that. think he'd probably be done. But, like, yeah. 
Yeah. I just want him to be happy. Like I want to see his smile at least one more time this year, yeah. and I'll, that'll be enough for me. Him and Beltre sitting on an island somewhere, knocking back drinks. Meet uh, me in the Watanejo. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that show. All right. A less depressing trade thought, which will probably actually happen too, is Mike Leake getting shipped out of town this year. Um, I feel like Mike Leake is that guy who will post like a random eight-inning, three-hit, 76 pitch outing and I think as soon as that happens they need to they need to get rid of him say, yeah Let's trade him after the first start against the Red Sox this year that he made and then we hope that you don't get the second start he made against the Red Sox yeah you really just got to be quick with the trigger like after his yeah. after his goodness you have to yeah. you have to strike pull, the iron while it's hot pull the Cole Hamels trade him immediately following the no hitter that he threw <laughs> like yeah, I don't think Mike Leake's going to throw a no-hitter, but he'll Probably definitely not. have that random game. He'll have that game where it's like the seventh inning and it's only been an hour, and you're like, oh, yeah, Mike Leake can do this once every 12 starts. Yeah, I wonder if Mike Leake will be um, a beneficiary if there's going to be more length built into the rotation, if he maybe gets to like not have to throw so many pitches or not have to throw as often, because it's weird that he's so good and then so bad and then good again and then so bad and it's just like there's not a ton of consistency there and i wonder if giving him a little extra rest would help with that it could be i think he will be a beneficiary of manny machado going to the padres and i think he will be traded to the padres and and that is both a fit and also a desire for me yeah, John has been pulling this all day, just FYI. He has been trying to, like, secret, like, speak this trade into existence. And I think the Padres, the Padres have so many, like, they have so many guys that they could get who are not Mike League. They do, but all of their current pitchers suck. <laughs> like It's true, all- but they have f- approximately 50 million prospects to trade from if they see another team and... They're like, I want that guy. Like, they're so rich in prospect. I mean, let's all root for Mike Leake to go out there and just kill it at the beginning of the season and for Jerry to have a quick hook and the Padres to score 12 runs every game but also give up 13 runs because mm-hmm. and, yeah. and get nice and desperate. But I don't, I, I don't know that... I, I think Leake is a fit because, they, one, he's from San Diego... That, that does not make a fit. But it, but he has a no trade clause, he has so no, he yes, actually okay, that, would probably yes. accept a trade there. Yes, that that is a fit. Um, in terms of what they need, like they have a bunch of guys who are either young and kind of talented, but aren't that great, and so they won't be able to, or or have not pitched that much, so they won't be able to go full beyond innings counts, which means having a dude who his main skill is that he's thrown like 180 innings for eight straight years. Like that's very useful. Uh, it's a pitcher's park, so he can sort of get by on stuff. He's a, one of the better hitting pitchers in baseball, uh, which matters way more in the NL than it does in the AL. Um, and he's, I don't know. He's just very steady, which especially if you have a bunch of volatile other pitchers, even if it's, you know, 
whether whether it's good innings or bad, whether you're getting the good Mike Leake or the bad Mike Leake, you'll get six plus innings each night, basically, and he'll be ready the next time. Uh, so I, I think that you're not going to get a ton for him if you're the Mariners, but if you're willing to eat some money on him, they can get back a little more prospect depth, and certainly they need prospect depth, uh, especially in the pitching in the pitching division because holy smokes they're starting pitching depth beyond what they have at the essentially triple a and major league level is dire yeah leak is basically just the jay bruce of pitchers where like my whole goal for exactly them is to become a 21 year old with a lot of years of club control yeah i guess I could see it. I would be thrilled if San Diego decides to that that's a good fit for them. But yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on on that outset. It makes a lot of sense. You are speaking this through clenched teeth, Kate. You do not well, need to agree with this. I don't. It's I don't. Okay, I, I will carry this torch. I just don't believe it's going to happen. I think it makes tons of sense, but. I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's a trade I, that hasn't happened, so I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to say like, oh yeah, it's a guarantee. But I think, I mean, there was discussion. There were, they were at least talking about um, Mike Leake being traded to the Padres earlier this offseason, and nothing came of it. But the fact that it's like been broached before, perhaps now with the Padres making a much more "we're trying to actually win" kind of move. Yeah. Getting yeah. a sort of veteran pitcher maybe now comes back into being more uh, more interesting to them. Yeah, I can totally see it. Let's see if they want Felix, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> I would love to watch Felix hit. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. Um, I, I think the point about how he is actually a credible hitter is an important one, too. Uh, that should give him a little bit extra desirability you think that matters more than like knowing his way around downtown san diego and being familiar <laughs> with the beaches he knows fallbrook he knows maybe san diego i, I think he's a carlsbad dude don't quote me on that but i think he was from... high school in fallbrook i don't know fallbrook okay but maybe he lives in carlsbad now so I he has a real carlsbad vibe I'll take I'll, I'll take your word Arizona. for it on that one. I think he doesn't he live in Arizona. Well, he went to college in Arizona, yeah, so he, he might stay there now. I know, but didn't he doesn't he live in Arizona because his dad is there? I think, and his dad had that serious accident. That's why when he wanted to come play, what on is the West the Arizona Coast. accent? What? No, what accident. Accident. Oh. His dad oh. is like paralyzed uh, oh, from the no. waist down. Yeah, and has. This... Oh, I laughed. That's yeah. bad. That's oh. bad. That is bad. Oh, yes. I mean, uh, Arizona kind of could just be described as an accident on its own. Is that bad? <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> um. Anyway, that might. I mean, San Diego would put him even closer to Arizona. So, and would be an NL team which plays the Diamondbacks. So. There you go. Uh, I, I I am believing in the the waving of the no trade. Wrap clause. it up, Jerry. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the fact that I do not know how many, like I think Mike Leake went to the fucks to give store and found they were all out. Like <laughs> absolutely, you not. Mm. And I think pitching on like a non-contending team where the vibe is super relaxed and no one is going to put too much pressure on him 
is a good fit for Mike Leake. So yeah, I think his ideal season is not having to talk to the media once God, or talk he, to anyone. He even clearly hates it. Like yeah. he hates it a lot. So um, yeah, I mean, if you go to the team that just spent three hundred million on Manny Machado, like uh, people are going to want to talk to you. So yeah. Uh, well, people also wanted to talk to us. We got some questions on ooh, the internet. Killing it with the segways. I'm telling you, these uh, the more we do these podcasts, the better. One day, I am at one day we are not going to. We're going to make a segue and not like, <laughs> enthusiastically cheer ourselves for me. No, I need segue. you guys to gas me up every All time right, I do okay. something good. I love okay. attention. Okay. Okay. As long as you're up. <laughs> so he loves a shout out. Yes, I want to start with um, the one about Justice Sheffield that we got from David Newland. Uh, they want to know what's a reasonable expectation for starts slash innings pitched for Justice Sheffield this season at the MLB level, and how do you think he'll fare? I think we'll get – we obviously don't have a specific answer, and I think this is the type of thing that we might actually get a specific number on later in the off season or later, I guess, in spring training – from the front office teams don't typically announce like this is the drop dead point but they'll say a range uh i i think we'll probably get no more than 150 innings um sheffield's pitched pretty healthily throughout his entire career which is good um but there's just no need and especially for guys who are still quite young i mean sheffield's essentially one year out of college if he had gone to college um yeah 96 so, baby yeah um <laughs> he's about like he's a year older or maybe less than a year older than logan gilbert who's the mayor's other top pitching prospect That's so uh, weird. you know who has yet to pitch in the majors so i mean it's just not uh there's no need to really rush him i, I think we'll probably see him in may um you know mid-may and and i think we'll get 100 to 120 innings from him assuming health which hopefully we will get there um but you know the there's no need to do anything other than give him five to six innings to work every night and give him sort of specific action action items as goals as opposed to just all right, we need we need a big start from you. Like, no, all right, we need you to work. We want you to work on these pitches, or we want you to work on this thing tonight. And that sort of did it get shelled? Did it get a bunch of swings and misses? We're not too concerned with that. We want to see how you handle that. So I, I think both the numbers and even the the innings there are going to be uh, a little bit in flux. But I, I would not expect more than 140, 140 150 innings. Yeah, I, think, I love yeah. the idea of testing shit out during an actual MLB game. That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> uh, I think that the 140 might sound even a little high to me. Yeah. Um, I, so one of the things post the trade that came out was um, a lot of analysts have said, oh, the Mariners are now going to attempt to do something that the, with Sheffield that the Yankees couldn't do, essentially, like have him take a step forward that he wasn't taking forward in the New York system um, where he's been dogged by some questions about like, is he a starter? Is he a reliever? Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't, you know, bring him up to, they brought him up to the bullpen for the playoff run. 
So, um, I think that we see a lot of, I do think that the Mariners think that they can do something with Sheffield, and I don't know if that is, um, I mean, whatever, that's a, that's a ballsy thing to think, because New York has a great history of developing pitching prospects, right? So, uh, I think that they're going to take things slow with him. I think that they have a specific plan that they want him to work on, and they're not going to put too much attention on him by having him do too much of it in the majors. I think Sheffield makes a very quiet post-All-Star break appearance and starts pitching, ideally after they've traded off Mike Leake in this plan that I now love and totally thought of myself. It's a good plan. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Take, taking full That's why you're the boss. It. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I would not be surprised to not see. And we'll probably get a report out tomorrow saying they're going to start him every fifth day and I'll look foolish. But I would not be surprised to not see him until July. Yeah, that seems reasonable. I mean, I don't really know what the plan is either. I guess we all have to just sort of sit and watch. But... The more Justice Sheffield that I get to just enjoy, the better. So I hope that it's um, sooner rather than later, just from a selfish standpoint. But and like from, you guys kind of said, no you, rush. You just want him to sit around and come up with more hashtags. I would love that. I also want to know more about these sweatsuits. He had the the Jordan brand sweatsuit that was like wine colored. It was very cool. I want to know if there's more. I want to know if that was custom made. So Justice, if you're listening, give us some intel on the sweatsuits. Also, he should be on the basketball team. I feel like he has some sneaky athleticism in there. Like he'd be that guy who's like really good at boxing out due to his uh his ass fat, as he says. Who was that like six six center that the Spurs had for a little bit? Dewan Blair. Yes, he's got a Dewan Blair vibe. Yeah, that's totally his game. Even though he's five ten. I was gonna. I mean, it's the baseball equivalent, right? That's that's true. Yeah. I mean, not even a normal person equivalent, but it's kind of a normal person equivalent. Yeah. Uh, Okay, let's go to malcontent forty seven. I guess there was forty six other malcontents who beat them to it. Uh, They want to know. (laughs) They want to know LeBlanc leak and the Mariners improved slash taught Marco Gonzalez a cutter last year, and it became a premium pitch for him. Between Swanson, Sheffield Dunn, and Ricardo Sanchez, could any of them benefit from adding a cutter? Are the Mariners generally teaching the pitch often? Uh, I pitched this question over to Jake, our pitching expert, to ask about it, and he says the only candidate he thinks would be a really good one for it would be Swanson. Um, Mm. Sheffield has a hard slider, so the cutter probably wouldn't add that much to his arsenal. And who's the other one? Oh, Dunn. Dunn is also a slider guy. So if you've got a good slider, you probably don't need Mm. the cutter as well. Um, I think, I think Sanchez might be a better fit. Um, we don't have You're talking about Ricardo Ricardo Sanchez. Sanchez, yeah. Um, because I, be- I believe Sanchez has a bit more of a curveball, uh, cur- fastball curveball focused repertoire. Um, so getting sort of that third pitch. The thing with Dunn, because I think Jake's right, uh, especially for Sheffield, um, 
Like his slider grades out really well. I mean, his slider gets a ton of swings and misses. I mean, it's re- the, really the main issues for Sheffield are that his control sometimes lapses, his or I guess his command sometimes lapses, and that he uh, doesn't get a tons of swings and misses on his uh, fastball. Um, but like you know, the the off speed stuff for him is is totally there. Um, for uh, for Dunn, the issue has been the fastball's good, slider's good, the changeup has taken a step forward, but he just has struggled a little bit to get lefties out. And while I don't know that the cutter would necessarily be fully optimized for him, uh, I think that having a cutter is the type of pitch that does a little bit more against uh, sort of left-handed hitters, uh, depending on the type of cutter that you have, obviously, and depending on the type of results that you get. But, I mean, Nick Vincent was really a poster child for this of a guy who was almost a Sergio Romo-level right-handed specialist, um, you know, that, that could get a lot of righties out and lefties were eating him up early in his career. And the improvements he made on his cutter led him to be a legitimately very successful pitcher, Uh, just getting not a ton of swings and misses, but a ton of bad contact off of uh off of left-handed pitching a successful so, pitcher who by the way doesn't have a job yet which yeah somebody pretty whack. some give nick vincent a job saw some footage of him today he's mm-hmm. out throwing at like an independent camp and it made me so sad bud norris yeah someone give give nick vincent a damn job already yeah um so i i would love to see i mean just i wouldn't be shocked if we saw it from swanson uh, just because Swanson has had a bit more of a shift towards throwing up in the zone, and if you're throwing up in the zone and are trying to get more fly balls uh, and things of that nature, uh, especially since Swanson's reputation is that his fastball has a lot of life, uh, any sort of pitch like a cutter where you're really leaning into getting a ton of spin on it, uh, you, I think it's very much a why not kind of thing. You want to try that out. Um, but yeah, I, I think you'll see it less. I, I would be surprised to see it from Sheffield. Less surprised to see it from the the lower guys. Yeah, I think that you guys nailed it. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I've mentioned it many times before. I don't know a whole lot about the minors. I haven't watched any minor league baseball in my entire life. But from what I've learned in one season, I think that uh, everything you guys said makes a lot of sense. And you guys are geniuses. So congrats. <laughs> You you have some strong takes for not having ever seen, and I mean, what an introduction you are getting with this particular crew, because uh, we can both assure you this is a, a much more fun environment than learning the minors in past years has been. Yeah, well, I mean, the players may be minor leagues, but these takes are show ready. I've been ready with strong opinions on people I've never met for a long time. It's one of my strengths. So let's move to another question. This one comes from Megan Corcoran. They would like to know, how do you think the pitching from those still here from last year will be affected by the change at catcher? So essentially, how will the pitchers respond to throwing to Omar Narvaez instead of catcher extraordinaire Mike Zanino? Ugh, moment to pour one out for Mike Zanino. Yeah, pour um, out some limoncello or something. 
uh, some white wine with ice cubes in it, which I have seen Mike Zanino drink and is that seems very Florida. Yeah, wow. extremely Florida. Um, there's a great article in the Athletic today. If you have a subscription, I recommend it because um, there's some great local sports coverage on there in general. But uh, <laughs> Corey, yes, in, in, it's a little bit self-interested. Come on. Um, Corey Brock did a nice article about Narvaez and what the Mariners kind of saw in him, basically. And they think that they can teach him how to be a better receiver. Basically pitch framing, which the White Sox are sort of, we've, I feel like we've talked about this before, uh, not great maybe at teaching that. So they think that they can teach him. He's apparently very uh, ready to learn. It's definitely going to be a step down. And I think um, especially guys like Wade and Marco are going to suffer for it because so much of what they do is not about just sheer overwhelming velocity, but about location. And that's where Narvaez apparently struggles. Um, but, you know, he's got a team working with him. He's mm-hmm. apparently e- eager to learn and I'm choosing to be optimistic. I think it's, um, I think it's interesting uh, to see there, there was some data specifically about, where Narvaez has struggled as a framer because he's been really bad at the bottom of the zone and pretty passable in sort of the edges of the zone, which I think is in and of itself a little bit different from uh, what Zunino was struggling with when he was having a bad time as a framer. But uh, the, the thing I'm curious to see is we, we did outline this a little bit when we talked about the, the catching depth, uh, or lack thereof. Narvaez is coming from Chicago, where the majority of their rotation was hard throwers with little in the way of command. And you're going to have a harder time framing 97 than you are 91 or 89. And you're going to have a harder time pitching or framing any pitch that's just harder with more significant bite as opposed to a pitch that you know is coming that has more variety. So guys like Marco and Wade who throw five pitches 20% of the time, they're deceiving hitters because hitters are off balance more than they are because their pitches are exceptional. Um, and they're, and they're getting really good location. So I am curious to see, even though there will be a drop off unequivocally, whether, just the ease in both how much the pitches are moving slash how fast they're moving makes it easier for him to improve his framing as well as uh, the better command of the pitchers that he's catching to begin with. And, and Leak, Leak goes in that category as well. Um, you know, if it may be an easier learning uh, environment to catch Marco Gonzalez and Mike Leak and Felix, uh, you know, that, that I think there will be some drop, but I think that if Narvaez is going to have a place to learn, this is a good setup for him to learn. Yeah. And I think sort of a weird bright spot is that 
there will be so many new guys who didn't even know what it was like to throw to Mike Zanino that like it won't really affect them very much. I know the specific question was about guys who were here from last year, but like with all the new, especially the young guys who maybe haven't even really worked with a great catcher ever, like it's not going to be like some jarring change for them. Uh, there are some reports from John Heyman. It looks like that the Mariners are in on uh, Martin Maldonado as a potential uh, potential extra player, which, you know, it's just John Heyman mentioning the Mariners are have in, stayed in on Martin Maldonado. That doesn't mean anything is going to happen, but it does. I mean, the Mariners only have two catchers on their roster right now in Narvaez and David Freitas. There's very good chance they will sign a third one because almost every team carries at least three catchers on their 40-man roster, and unless they're going to bring up Aaron Nola's brother or Jose Lobatone, I I think they will sign another free agent catcher before this offseason is done, especially if Martin Maldonado was willing to come here. So, oh, The disrespect to Joe DiCarlo has been noted. I just don't think Joe DiCarlo is going to get the straight jumping AAA call. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> we love the spirit, though, Kate. <laughs> always championing our prospect, boys. Oh, always. All my sons. I love all yes. my sons. We got a question about your sons, at least most of them, um, from John Soybert. Subert. Um, they would like to know what all needs to go right for the rotation to be competitive by the supposed 2021 window. So essentially, how many of Kikuchi, Marco, Sheffield, Swanson, Dunn, and Gilbert need to have worked out by then? And a follow-up was, who has the highest ceiling of the above list? Fascinating question. A lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what-have-yous. And things of that nature. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we, let, let's start with the, the final part, and then, then we can work our way back to the final Okay, part. yeah, because highest ceiling in the minor leagues, ceiling. or of the prospect age uh. people. I think Logan Gilbert is the answer. Well, I think Logan Gilbert is the answer for me because he is a college-age pitcher who has shown ninety mid-90s to upper-90s stuff with good off-speed and good command. And that's pretty rare, and pretty much every evaluation that I've seen from him is that if he comes out this spring showing the velocity that he had in college before he got mono and got tired and whatnot, uh, he'll be a, a top 100 prospect midseason. And that's, you know, pretty high praise for a guy who essentially will not have thrown above single A. And I think as that continues to develop, I think Gilbert's the best chance at being maybe not like a, you know, ace ace, but you you'd think I mean, you'd think maybe a top 20 pitcher in the league. And that's if especially if you have decent pitching throughout the rest of your rotation, that's more than enough. You don't have to have a true ace as long as the rest of your team is well filled out and the Mariners very clearly seem to be trying to build a team through their outfield and and that fills out through the rest of their roster. Yeah. I mean, the, that question is, I think easier than who has the highest ceiling in the whole org, because I think we would be lost Mm -hmm. down a spiral of like Jared versus Julio discussions that I don't really want to have. Right. Uh, 
but it in pitching it's it's pretty simple just because there are so few i'm really interested in what they're going to do in the draft this year because mm. the college pitching core is super weak um it's just there's not it's not a great year for it um and there are a ton of really intriguing high school arms that i'm excited about so um Overall, I would say it's a down year for pitching, and I don't know where they're going to go, but I would really... Man, it's fun to have pitching prospects. I would like another one, please. Well, there's where that Mike Leake trade could come into play. Yeah, right. Yeah, buddy. Let's keep uh, saying it out loud, and maybe it'll just happen while we're recording. Yeah, it's like the secret. Um, <laughs> we, uh, With regards to the, uh, to the rest of sort of the pitching crew there... Um, I think you have to have at least three of those. I mean, Marco has essentially worked out. You, you would assume he's not just going to fall off a cliff. So you kind of just need, uh, you know, you, you kind of just need to have two or three. Well, I think you need to have three of those guys work out by 2021. And, and B, worked out can just mean they're above, <laughs> they are above average pitchers. Or you know, two average and and one or two above average, one average pitcher, or something of that nature. You know, if you have essentially two Marco level pitchers and then two guys who are a little bit behind Marco, all you then need is essentially you 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 will have gotten to twenty twenty one. You'll have money freed up theoretically. Then you can throw money down on an ace level pitcher or something of that nature. I mean, that, that has to be essentially the mindset that you're coming into this with. Um, so you, if you have all, you know, as each guy that works out is another situation where you can look as a, as a front office to, okay, we have to fill a different hole. We, or we get to fill a different hole in, in, a, you know a free agent signing or a trade or something like that so uh i think you you would need three or four because something you know some of these hitters are definitely not going to work out and you'll need something there i mean you're, you're going to need a third baseman by 2021 you're going to need probably something else by 2021 you might need a catcher by 2021 who knows so who knows well we're coming up on sort of the amount of time that we said we weren't going to do. <laughs> We're trying to keep these shorter. <laughs> yeah. So if we did not get to your question, we apologize. Thank you, as always, for sending them in. But uh, we're trying to keep these on the shorter side. So mm-hmm. tune in next week, I guess, when we're doing mm-hmm. the relievers to finish off this little series. And mm-hmm. we'll have real games to talk about, as we mentioned on the top. So yeah, we're, we can almost taste the the sweet, sweet March baseball games in Seattle that are always so wet and so cold. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and I'm just going to put in a, I, I don't know what the total breakdown is on folks who listen to the podcast versus reading the website. But you know, I mean, if you are someone who likes uh, Mariners baseball and is looking for folks to chat about that with uh, we will put up we're getting into recap season which means we're getting into game thread season and so we will have uh we always put up game threads for all of our every mariners game and so you can come out and hang out with the community chat about the game um you know folks are folks are folks who feel as passionately about this as you do so 
um thank you for listening and and uh kate do you have anything else you'd like to finish out here on no uh come talk about the games with us i think that's that's a great plug very excited to be getting back into it and Mm -hmm. uh yeah it weirdly excite getting excited about the season (laughs) isn't that weird (laughs) and baseball weird weird. (laughs) (laughs) i really missed it it's gonna be fun and uh I'll be in Arizona March 4th, so hopefully we'll be able to bring you some some eyes-on-the-ground scouting Absolutely. information. Can't wait. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.